I'm Dwayne Brummett, he's Ali Alborigo, and this is the School Owner Talk Podcast. Hello again, Dwayne Brummett here with Ali Alborigo, SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Ali, great to see you, sir. Yes, good to see you too as well, Dwayne. Great to be back. I uh, I've been off for a little while dealing with stresses in my life with you know all some a few little medical things and then uh, got sick again and the family was sick and I, I have a lot of that in the school. You have that too by you now. A lot of people out sick. A lot of people sick. Uh, my head instructor, Mr. Bean, went home yesterday before classes started. He's got the mm. flu. Um, he said he's feeling better today, but. Uh, um, he goes, I, I can tough it out. And I go, no, just stay at home another day and, and uh, we'll see yeah. you on Thursday. So it's interesting his work ethics though, right? Like, you know, Hey, I'll, I'll come in anyway. And I'll tough it out. You know, that, you know, that's hard to find that nowadays. And he's apologetic. He's like, I'm so sorry, sir. I'm like, look, yeah, you, <laughs> you've covered for me when I've been out and sick or other things and I'm covering for you. That's what we do. Exactly. I know it's crazy. And, and that kind of person is hard to find. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, like I had a student come back to me the other day, and I know today we're talking about like funny stories, weird events, you know, weird requests, things that we go through every day running a school. And you and I have been doing this for over 50 years. Me, it's 32 years in my school, you 20 plus years, right? So it's yeah, like, well, 27 is what I've been actually teaching. Yeah, so but, we're like almost, almost, almost 60 years of, of us dealing with this kind of stuff, some comical, some stressful and so on. But um, we deal with it all the time. Like I had a student uh, hurt his hand. I think he hit, broke his metacarpal. He's been out for six months. The father wouldn't let him come back earlier. I'm like, the doctor said, no, he can't do martial arts. I'm like, dude, you could work out with one hand. You could do jumping jacks. You don't have to do hitting with that hand. And I said, God forbid you're ever in a fight and you have your hand in a cast. What are you going to do? You know, yeah. like I go, you got to learn to defend it. But this kind of mindset for parenting these days and, 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 you know, it's just so, so soft. Yeah. So to today's topic, uh, like you said, you know, we wanted to come up with something that was uh, lighthearted, uh, especially coming up into the holidays and, you know, so sharing some interesting stories, uh, interactions, events, uh, those type of things with, you know, what has happened over the yeah, lifetime. Five, de- five plus decades, if you will, of yeah. uh, both of us teaching. It, it, it'll be interesting to hear some of your stories. And, and I know that we probably have talked about some of those um, it, maybe in some episodes past, but there might be some that we've never even spoke about. So yeah. do, do you have a... Um, do you have one that you want to start out with? Or do, do I have one or do I have a million? Like, well, what do you want to talk about? Like funny, funny situations. Well, let's first talk about stuff that could, I, I don't want this to sound negative because it shouldn't be, but, um, it, and it isn't really, but it's like, it's interesting, not funny, but like quirky at how people think nowadays. Right. So like years ago, I remember when I was a kid, You'd run and fall and scrape your knee on the cement. And your mom would say, stand up and hose that off with the garden hose and throw some dirt on it and get back to play, right? Like like my mom used to send me out to play. Uh, no, I swear to God, this is true. Maybe this is why I'm a little demented. Like here's a machete go make and a hammer and nails. Go make a tree fort somewhere. And I had woods behind me like for like a mile and a half by like a mile thick of woods between the two highways and the roads that I live. And I would spend my life back there, you know, catching frogs, building forts, you know, playing war with my friends. And nowadays, like we're afraid, like parents are afraid to let their kids out of their sight where they're not looking into the training room or where they're not able to see them 24 seven. Like it's a, it's a weird, interesting, quirky situation that we deal with in, in our modern day 21st century uh, teaching. What are your thoughts well, on that? They're soft. Yeah. They're soft. I, and, I, but I think that, that that's, that was still the case and in, in, in maybe not as prevalent um, 20 years ago. Cause I can remember in our first um, standalone physical location, not when we first started and we were operating out of a, a uh, gymnasium at a school, but when we actually had a, our own location, right. Uh, we were on the corner of this little mall strip thing, if you will. And uh, in a cul-de-sac 
And so being on the corner, we had a front door and a back door. And then it was winter time and we're warming up. And I was like, all right, we're, we're jogging around the room. We jogged around the room. And then I said, all right, follow me. We went out the back door. Yeah. Barefoot in the snow yeah. jogging. And I, you know, look, if it was 50 feet in total, I don't know, but you know, we jogged all the way around and then uh, came in the front. Yeah. And we did it another time. We did it one more time. And then I had a parent uh, it, that was really pissed that we did that. And she's like, you know, our, our kids could have had, uh, you know, frostbite. And I'm like, they weren't even in the snow long enough to get frost. Yeah. Right, right, right. just let them get tough yeah yeah and and that's that's a trouble that we have nowadays so like for example someone i forget where i read it just recently on the internet that someone had a trial class and they wrote the list and i don't know if they exaggerated it of what the parent wanted i want my kid to learn martial arts but no contact no sparring no grappling. I want them to learn how to defend themselves, but they can't touch their partner. Like it went through this whole list. So the, the guy said, I don't think that you could do this. Maybe you should buy a video. And, you know, like, so, and it's interesting. Like, you know, I have parents say to me, uh, you know, my kid got hurt in class today. What happened? I go, well, well, they were sparring. Well, he got kicked in the stomach. I'm like, well, if you are on a football team and he got tackled, would you say that? I can't believe he got tackled. It's part of the sport. It's a contact sport. It's quite obvious that martial arts is a contact sport, right? Well, it should be, but yes. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. It's interesting, right? So I, I think that's that's an interesting dilemma that we're dealing with now. And I, I, I think, you know, business-wise, we have to onboard them better, explain better, educate parents better, make sure that they're the right clientele. But that's not what this is all about. Uh, well, no, it's about that because I'll bring this into that is you do all that. And if they're not the right clientele, I remember the first time I had to kick somebody out of the studio mm-hmm. and I was scared. Right. I was scared to do it. She was an overbearing uh, woman who I had respected up until a certain point when they crossed lines. Right. 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 And she was older than me. I mean, I was younger. And so I decided what I was going to say, how I was going to say it. And so I bring her into my office and I said, you know, Mrs. So-and-so, I just want to let you know that we can no longer service you or your family anymore. Right. Yeah. And she goes, what? I go, we can no longer service you or your family anymore. And she says, are you kicking us out? I go, we can no longer service you or your family anymore. Like I just, I repeated it three times. I know for sure, maybe a fourth time. And then she stormed out and and they left. And I was so relieved, but I had, you know, kind of told myself, I'm not going to explain why. I don't have to explain why. I'm just going to keep repeating until she leaves. And that's exactly what happened. That's it. That's excellent, though. And you know, many times I've kicked people out and I've I avoided it for months and months and months prior. And then when I finally made the decision, they had done so much damage and people left because I didn't kick them out. And then when they I once had a person I kicked out and I swear I let the lobby know after I'd done that. And they started off with like a slow clap. And then, and, you know, got fat. And then all of a sudden they were like happy, like, I, oh, we were qu- going to quit. And they were the worst. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me this ahead of time? Like you were feeling that way. But people won't say anything because they're the good people. Right. It's right. the complainers, the troublemakers that are always going to complain. But so any any funny stories like I, I swear, do you have a, isn't it weird how um, I have kids nowadays that one, I find this so odd that one, kids don't know their left from their right. I mean, I'm not saying four-year-olds, three-year-olds, five-year-olds. I'm talking like 12-year-olds and 14-year-olds. They can't tie a bow. They can't, they don't know their, they have to do this to see the L on their hand. And I'm going like, what is happening with the world we live in? And it's just so unique to be able to see that people can't even do the basis. I know my daughter and I unfortunately got in an argument last night. I wasn't in a great mood last night because my, I, I have a surgery next week, got postponed that I have to do a minor, minor procedure. And uh, I was just in a crummy mood and and she was on her phone. I'm like, honey, watch this trailer. I want to see if you'd like to watch this show with me. And she was on the phone the whole time. And I'm like, can you just put your damn phone down? You're in such a bad mood, dad. And we start arguing back and forth, but it's, she, I said, just live outside. And then she blamed, she says it to me, you know, you're always on your phone too, which she's, she's right. Um, but, uh, that's where people live. They live in that little tiny, what is it? Like a, this iPhone 13 is a four by five box. 
and everything is there. And that's where their experience is, is right here. And, and I think that that has re I don't think, I know that has done some major damage to everyone, adults, children, you know, growing up, the world has changed. And, and I'm not like that. The old style parent is like, every parent said that about their kids, you know, you don't know what it's like. And then the kids are like, our parents are clueless. But I do think that this has really made a major change in the way people interact, um, oh. their social skills, uh, you know, uh, reading cues, you know, like, cause everything is written text, like reading facial cues and understand others emotions and, and empathy for others is not there anymore. Well, how about just look somebody in the eyes? It's true. <laughs> it's the just truth, right? In the eyes. Yeah. You know? I, so here's a funny story. I, uh, <clears throat> lining up class, this was years ago, lining up class had a kid orange belt in the beginner's class. So that means that he, was at least had been in the program for six months up to nine months, depending on when this actually happened. Right. Uh, and so he lines up, his belt isn't tied. Right. Right. I said, you know, sir, you're, I call him by name. I don't even remember. I don't remember who it was anymore, but I said, Hey, so-and-so your, your belt's not tied. Right. Right. Well, he started the blame game first. He goes, he goes, well, my mom tied my belt. I go, what? He yeah. goes, my mom tied my belt. I go, your mom tied your belt? He said, yes, sir. I said, does she also wipe your butt too? Right, right. And then I said that in front of everybody, the parents, everybody. Yeah. And you could have heard a pin drop. Wow. And I'm thinking right after I said it, I'm thinking, oh, man, maybe did I go too far? And I'm thinking, you know what? Screw it. You know? Yeah. And and uh, I, I should have said, does she still blow your nose? But I didn't. Right, right, you know? right, right. I get and, you. But... And he said, no, no, sir. And I go, well, then. I don't want your mom. I said, your mom is no longer allowed to tie your belt anymore. Right. Like, well, I was, just, I was just talking about you at breakfast this morning. Um, so you're there with me anyway, even though they were miles apart. And I said, my friend Dwayne um, makes it mandatory for them to be able to test for their next belt, to be able to tie their belt properly, properly know how to tie their belt. And we talked about like, for example, I had, um, we have patches on our uniform like most schools do. And I looked at it across the sea of students and hardly anyone had their patches on. We give them to them on their white belt. They get their white belt and their patch. So I'm like, I sent out a letter. I'm polite and honest and motivational and, you know, all fluff, you know, please, you know, it's important to have your belt patch on. And um, anyway, long story short, I look out two weeks later, no one's got their patches on. So I basically got fed up and I'm like, if everyone doesn't have their patch on their gi within two weeks, you're not allowed to come to class. All of a sudden, everyone's got their patches on their gi. Like, you know, you give them an ultimatum and they're like, oh, if I have to do it, I'll do it. So recently with belt tying too. And I'm like, you know, if you don't know how to tie your belt, you're not allowed to get the next belt, period. So all of a sudden people are coming in. Just like last night, I was in, a, you know, on a Monday night, they were like, uh, look, Shian, I'm tying my belt. I'm going, although it's not correct, that that's great that you're doing it yourself now. Just take some practice. So you have to throw out that ultimatum, right? Well, yeah. And, and so you're right. I said, and this is, they cannot um, pass their white belt going to yellow belt test if they don't know how to tie their belt. And then we now at the door, it, uh, in order to walk in, we have an instructor there um, or a storm team person, which is an instructor in training, right? And they're looking at everybody's uniform and belt. And if the uniform isn't, because I'll have some people put the right over the left rather than the left over the right. If they're, if that's wrong, and then also if the belt's tied wrong, they can't walk into class. Wow. Now, if they're a white belt, if their belt's not tied correctly, we still let them walk into class. Right. But yellow on up, if, you, if your belt's not tied right, yeah. you can't walk into class. I love it. And by the way, it's interesting. In our school, culturally in Japan, the gi goes left over right. And when people die and they flip their kimono right over left. So I'm always going, oh my God, that's a bad omen. Fix that. Because my teacher, if you did that, he'd make you leave the room and fix it. Like he didn't even want the omen, that bad luck to come into the dojo. Um, so I tell my parents that and they're like, okay, I'll make sure that is fixed from now on. Like we don't want any bad omens, you know? So people tend to be fearful of that, but not afraid of me. So it's kind of funny. So how about this? How, how any weird stuff? Like I, I saw a kid the other day licking the floor. Like it was just like laying down oh. and licking the floor. And I'm going like, what 
are you, or I have booger pickers and eaters in my, the other day I'm doing a speech and like right in front of me, this young girl, she's like eight, reaches up, pulls out this booger, boom, right in her mouth and chewed it up. And so I was like throwing, almost ready to throw up. I'm like, I looked at her, not everyone knew. And I said, that is absolutely disgusting. You know, and then she just basically, I don't even know if she knew she did it. Like it was the grossest thing ever. Do you still, you have that at your school? Yes. And, and I don't know if you've realized this or not, or whether you agree with it, but most booger pickers, uh, it's hereditary, I think. Oh, is it? Oh gosh. Yeah. Wow. I've seen, I've seen that. family members of booger pickers and, and not the whole family picks the boogers, but, um, they, yes. Yes. That's wild. That, that's I, had a, I had a kid one time who kept spitting on the floor. Uh would repeatedly spit on the floor. Like a real, like, and just I, like, and spit or just, just let it. Yeah. Wow. And, I, and I'm like, hey, look, you can't do that. And then he would spit again. I say, all right, that's strike three. Sit out. And then we would go at, at the end of class, talk to the parent. Look, this can't be happening. Yeah, I know. I know. Blah, 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 blah. Come back in, you know, not the next class, but a class after he'd spit on the floor again. Wow. And uh, I'm like, oh, my freaking gosh. I, I. I had to kick them out. Yeah, I, I, I had think to kick maybe, them out because, yeah, because he 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 couldn't control his own spit. Right, he was at he was at. <laughs> yeah, I just read someone's stuff. Yes, read it because I've been there. Go read that. Yeah, I will. But but um, I think it's habitual, right? Where they don't even control themselves. It's just something that they do, right? But I just read, uh, and I was going to mention this. I had that happen. So one of our uh, readers, uh, you know, David, our followers, he wrote. Uh, I ever have a poop nugget fly out of the pants during a kicking drill. I was just, I had that happen once when doing cartwheels and it was like hitting the ceiling during the cartwheel. And, and sadly it was one of my students, the brother of a sister who was one of my black belts. So I'm like, Savannah, I shouldn't have even said the name, but it doesn't matter. They're not training anymore. Just clean that up for me. And she did. And that was like the grossest thing ever. But yeah. Well, the first time that ever happened, I didn't know what it was. Right. So what did I do? I, don't I picked know, it, up it up with my hand. Oh, gross. I picked it up with my hand and I'm like, what is this? And I smelled it oh. and I was, oh my gosh. Oh, so, dude, that's so disgusting. <laughs> now I know. And it's, and, and and just like he said, it it's repeatedly has happened. I've, I've had that. I've happen had it happen before. numerous times. Like I've, I don't even had that, I've even had that projectile vomiting where a kid said, I think I'm going to throw up and put his hands over his mouth with his hands open and puked so it sprayed like a perfect spray oh, wow. in four directions like a fan outward thank god i wasn't in line of fire but it went everywhere and just recently one of my students who's on here he wrote oh yeah booger pickers and eaters we got them all right like that kind of thing but um he was there when this kid projectile vomited just recently and he sadly the poor guy had to clean it up, but yeah, I've had the cartwheel uh, poop flying. I've had, uh, we had that happen the other day where it just kind of rolled out of the pant and was on the floor and I grabbed the tissue. I didn't say anything and threw it away. I'm like, who doesn't know that that's happening? And these are not like my two and four-year-old class. This is right, like right. teenagers, you know, like nine to 14 years old. It's just amazing. Yeah, no, I, I had, um, this was an adult female probably in her 30s and she's wearing a white uniform and it was her time of the month uh-oh and she starts throwing kicks and stuff and like i can see and i'm like uh mrs so-and-so I, I go I, I i think you need to go to the bathroom and she just kind of looks at me i go please go to the bathroom and she <laughs> she was she went to the bathroom and then she yeah. got her stuff and left and i'm like yeah. I felt horrible, but you know, at like, least that she didn't know that poor person, right? Like that's happening. That's crazy. Um, he, someone else, same, same instructor, Sensei Popper wrote, I had the kids continue to stand in it and walk around. Um, it's right. It's just crazy. Um, I've had so many weird, I, and you know, so off of the poop flying and the throwing up, we've all had, I'll tell you one more story about a friend of mine. He, when we used to do sleepovers, um, you know, you'd run them around. They'd be crazy. They'd eat pizza and drink soda. And then you'd set them to bed. And we as a staff would stay up the whole night and 
maybe fall asleep for 10 minutes in the chair and wake up and make sure they're all okay. Huge responsibility. I don't do them anymore. Never would ever think of doing them again. But my friend walked around and a kid had fell asleep and puked in his sleep. But the puke went on to the next kid's face. So it was all over the kid next to him's face. So he wakes the kid up who puked, but then the other kid wakes up who's got puke. And now it everyone woke up and they're all puking. So it was like a puke fest, like 20 of them throwing up everywhere. So oh that was a gosh. nightmare for him. He was like hosing the dojo down and disinfecting it. It was just a, a terrible situation. Oh we've all gosh. had those, those weird times, right? Yeah. I, you speak of overnighters. I had a, uh, I would always wake them up at seven o'clock in the morning because their yep. parents had to come and pick them up at seven thirty. Yeah. Um, and so at seven o'clock I would have one of the instructors get ready to flip the lights on and, and I turned the volume on the, the stereo system all the way up. And I had the, the screaming, you know, hardcore, you know, go, uh, uh yeah. rock music, you know, go, you know, and oh yeah. my gosh, you should see some kids wake up and jump and, and, and move. And then there's some like, they're, they're dead. Like yeah, they, they don't even move. Oh, that's my daughter. I once had construction on my house done and uh, they were banging on her wall, putting the siding up on her bedroom wall. And two of her pictures fell off the wall, big picture frames, thick ones. And I walked in there and she's out like a light with a picture on her head, a picture on her chest, hadn't even woken up. The pictures fell on her head. I'm like, oh, that's scary knowing that, uh, you know, that she wouldn't wake up even if there was a fire or someone screaming, like that kind of stuff. Wild, right? So I, I also... You know, what I find odd too nowadays too, is that the, you know, they, I always used to say when we'd see a kid who acted a certain way, I'd always go, I wonder what those parents are like. Maybe they had a really fun time in the seventies, you know, or a lot of drugs in the eighties, you know, you'd see these parents and, and you'd realize like the kids are a little, a little bit slower because of that. But um, I find it so interesting in how like nowadays, like you, it's really like parenting is different to the fact where they, they coddle. And one of the, the people wrote, um, one of the guests, let me go back to him. He wrote, um, Brad Jenkins, if he's still on, but he wrote, have you ever read the book called the coddling of the American mind? So he said, it's very eye opening. I looked it up. It's written by uh, Jonathan Haidt and Greg Lukanoff. Um, and it's on audio too. So that'll be my next audible that I'll buy. But, um, it's interesting at how that's how it really is these days. Like people are so coddled, like they don't want to, they don't want to lose. They don't want to fail a test. They don't want to not get tested because they're not good enough. Like I once just recently in class, I said, how many people want to be masters? And like the whole class raised their hands except for one kid. I said, how many people want to be mediocre? One kid raises his hand. Interestingly enough though, he had a great answer. I said, why would you want to be mediocre? He goes, it's a lot less stressful than being a master. <laughs> And I was like, you know what, though? I almost got to give you credit for that answer because that was like a mastery of an answer. But like how certain people are just like they don't really care. Like when I was young, I trained because I wanted to be great. Like I didn't care if I had a belt. I just wanted to be the toughest fighter I could possibly be from any type of attack. I wanted to learn my weapons. I was addicted to being a good martial artist. Nowadays, I don't know if it's that way anymore. What do you, what do you think well, about that? Well, it's back to what we talked about before. Is it an activity or is it a lifestyle? You know, are you, you know, are you doing martial arts or are you a martial artist? And, um, and I think that our society is producing those type of people anyways, that, you know, they are activity seekers as opposed to somebody that wants to become a master of something. So that's, that's where the, the biggest problem comes from. I believe. Yeah. Isn't it weird though? Like that's so, so I, so what, I mean, I don't think we could come up with a solution now. I'm sure people on here would have a lot of really great suggestions that are listening. But I mean, I find like that even in our meeting this morning for breakfast, uh, my friends and I were like, how do you motivate people when like, you know, especially parents, because I just had a student, he trained with me 25 years ago and he just recently is a friend of mine on Facebook. And he's like, well, I, you know, the typical, uh, you know, one of my biggest regrets is that I was up for my black belt and I quit right before my black belt. And I never did it. He goes, I regretted that my whole life. It's been 20 years. He's a young man, you know, 20 years of regret. And, but how do you explain that to, to parents? Like you, you can say it, but do they hear it? You could show them a picture, have them read a testimonial, watch a video. 
but do they hear it? And that's where it becomes scary, right? So like, how do we, how do we open people's minds to that? And there are a certain set of parents that are still living by those morals and the integrity where they won't let their kids quit, but the good majority of them are, I don't want to force him. He'll do what he wants, you know, that kind of thing. What are your well, thoughts on that? Uh, it, it's, it's sift sorting and screening. And then we can only bring people. And this is the analogy, right? You can only lead people to water. You can't make them drink. Right. So, um, I, I think, unfortunately, if I have to keep motivating you, I'm going to have to keep motivating you. Right. Right. You know, I can, I can inspire, but motivation has to come from within. Yeah. And so if you don't have the self-drive, so I, I spoke about this, I don't know if it was last week or two weeks ago in class, but somebody had uh, gave me, I was asking for an answer and, and let's just say they said uh, maybe the answer was supposed to be low block. Right. And, you know, they, they gave me a question instead of an answer. So I'm looking for the word low block. He raises his hand. He goes, low block, sir. Like question mark. Yeah. Yeah. And I go, no. That's not right. And I go to the next person. And of course, they're thinking it's low block. And they're like, oh, my gosh, if that's not right, what the heck is it? Finally, somebody right. says low block, sir. And I said, yes. And then other kids looking at me. And I go, you had the correct answer. You just didn't have the confidence behind it. Right. And I said, you know, look, I can't teach you confidence. Confidence, confidence has to come from within you. I can teach you the right or wrong answers, but right. I can't teach you confidence. So I would rather you confidently give me the wrong answer. Hmm then give me the correct answer without confidence. Yeah. So, and, and then that parlayed into last night when I was talking about, uh, cause I filled in for, for Mr. Bean cause he was sick. I was talking about failure. Right. And I asked everybody, you know, who likes to fail? Nobody likes to fail. Right. Right. Uh, who, who think who's ever failed at something before? Yeah. So we talked a little bit about that. And then I got to the, the point that, you know, the most successful people ever, are the ones that fail the most. Right. And I've told them, I told them that, you know, when I hire a new instructor, one of the very first things that I tell that new instructor is I want you to fail fast in the beginning. Right. So I want you to fail fast and I want you to fail often because you're going to be a better instructor if you fail fast and often right mm. now. And then you're going to be a better teacher for all the other students. Yeah. But if you are too timid to take chances and fail, you're not going to benefit nor are the, are my students. They're not going to benefit either. Right. And so I told everybody, uh, and this is Zig Ziglar's line, but I, I really told them that, you know, failure is, is an event. It's not a person. Right. Yesterday ended last night. Today's a brand new day. Exactly. And so, uh, you know, I, along with that, I was just like, I want you to fail. If you're not working hard enough to fail, then you, that's actually the failure. Yeah. And you know what? In Asian or Eastern philosophy, um, failure is a part of the stepping stone of success. Like even in, um, you know, in the dictionary, it says failure is either a lack of success or the omission of an expected or required action or result, right? So we, we try something and we don't succeed doesn't mean we are a failure. It just means that we didn't get it that time. And I do think that, you know, and by the way, I, I learned this from a teacher who was a student's parent and we had a meeting and she opened my eyes to oh, culturally, uh, she didn't mean to, but this is what I got out of the the meeting was that, um, you know, that we're trained, you know, you, you learn the, 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 the information, you pre-test it and you test it. If you don't get it right, you failed the test. Um, it's and then you move on and you really never, and if you fail more so than not, you're considered a bad below average student or a failure of some mm -hmm. sort. So um, anyway, long story short, uh, you know, failure in our society, in the Western society is more so about who you are. Well, what you said is really the most important thing. It's not who you are. It's just a result of that one attempt. And you just got to keep going until you get better. And that with me with guitar, if I don't get it right, I just got to drill it, drill it, drill it, drill it until I finally have it. And then I'm surprised. And I look back in the beginning and go, wow, I, I, I thought I'd never be able to do that. And now I can. Yep. Right. Makes, makes yep. a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I, I had a last quarter. Um, we had, um, two. I know one for sure. Now I'm, now I'm contemplating whether it's two or not. Let's just say one. 
uh, one student quit because they weren't allowed to test because they didn't um, meet the requirements. And, and right. the only requirement they didn't meet is they had to do a two minute speech and submit that two minute speech to us. Right. Well, the speech was one minute and 30 seconds. Wow. So we sent it back and we said, thank you for doing this, but you didn't meet the requirements in order to mm. test. You have to submit a speech of two minutes. So it could have been two minutes and 10 seconds. You know what yeah. I mean? Right. That's fine. Right. They never did it. Mm. They came to the test. We had to deny them. Look, we sent you this email. They were pissed. Right. They quit. Mm. She was probably, what, nine months away from testing for her black belt. Wow. So <clears throat> I used that the very next week. <clears throat> I went into classes and I started asking the class, you know, hey, <clears throat> raise your hand. Who thinks that you should be permitted to test if you don't meet the requirements? Yeah. And nobody raised their hand. Right. I go, why not? Like I use that in every That's class. Right. I use that as, you know, and then, and I said, you know, it's unfortunate. This only happens probably two or three times a year, more like two, but sometimes it's three times a year where a student is not allowed to test. They get angry. Uh, their parent gets angry. Um, part of the parent's anger is the fact that one, they didn't get the test and two, they're going to have to pay for another three months, which they say to me, well, I already paid for those three months. Uh, no, you paid for the other three months. They didn't pass. You didn't pay right. for the one, the, the, right. the next three months that they may pass in. Yeah. Yeah. You know? hey, Dwayne, um, let me, I'm going to just step away for a quick second. If you could continue yep. that. And, yep. and there's some really great comments. I'll be right back. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go through those. Nice. Um, but anyways, long story short is the fact that, uh, I utilized that experience in that and saying that, you know, look, uh, basically don't be here if you don't want to work hard and don't expect us to hand it to you because you got to meet the requirements in order to test. That's basically what I did. Um, I, I do want to say, before I get into some of the other stuff, I do want to say this was kind of funny one time is, and this had to do with what we, when somebody, this was an old, um, old way that we used to do these things, meaning that now we have a different protocol, but the protocol back when somebody would forget their belt is they would have to write a, uh, a report on whatever topic and then be a one page report on whatever topic we would give them. And so this one kid forgot his belt or didn't bring his belt. He didn't forget it. It was his mom that actually forgot the belt. And so we told him that he needed to write a one page report. And uh, she was not happy. And she said, well, it wasn't his fault that he you know, didn't bring his belt. It was my fault. And I said, I understand that, but it's still his responsibility to have his material. So he has to write the paper. And, and she goes, yeah, but it wasn't his fault. I said, so are you saying that you're going to write the paper? She's like, no, he can write the paper. And so he did. He wrote the paper uh, instead of her writing the paper. But it was just it's, it's amazing that these uh, that these parents, you know, try to cover up for for their kids, even again. It wasn't the kid's fault. It was the parent's fault, but it was still ultimately the parent's responsibility or excuse me, yeah. the kid's responsibility to have his material. I, I yeah. And I, I was listening as you were talking. I, I find that that's what I like about your school, too. And the way you run things is that, you know, people have to be responsible. And I, I find that that lack of responsibility hurts the child in the long run or hurts the student, even as an adult. Like, so I'll give you an example my my student and I had a meeting, my the, the head instructor in my school and I had a meeting yesterday about people that are coming up for their black belt. And we do a six month black belt success cycle that takes six months to, uh, you know, to go through and it preps them for their test and gets them ready. So he's like, well, I think these people are ready, but these people kind of have to work at it. Why don't we do the test, you know, and then do a second test? I said, why don't we just make them all wait and we'll all do it together? I mean, the people who wait will become better and the ones who have to do it. They, and I said, I'm not ready to put people up for their test unless they really show me that they they care so much that they're going to be the best that they can be. And I find that sometimes he and by the way, it's a good character trait. He will work with them and motivate them and stay on top of them and train them to the point where it's almost like he's doing all the work for them. Every Saturday, he's running with them. Every sat, you know, he's meeting with them. He's motivated, and although that that's an amazing thing, it's short lived. Like people need to want it for themselves, right? And I think parents they just don't want their kids to be hurt 
They don't want them to be sad. So they'll coddle and protect them from everything to the point where to their own detriment, they're going to grow up to be these soft crybaby whining adults. Well, yeah, yeah I, 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 when I was teaching the white belts and I, and I uh, taught them last night <clears throat> um, because Bean wasn't there, normally he teaches them. But when I was teaching them and then I did this last night is <clears throat> I, I went over, I, you know, whatever we were working on, I did it two or three times, four times with them. And I said, all right, now practice it on your own. And then <clears throat> that allows me obviously to go and look at everybody, correct them, help right. them out if they got a question, that type of thing. <clears throat> well, but what I also did was I went over to the parents and I said, parents, uh, I want you to see, watch your child. Because what, what I'm doing right now is I need to see, and I said it loud enough for the kids to hear, I need to see if they know how to, one, follow the directions that I gave them, two, mm -hmm. be able to work on their own and motivate themselves rather than me motivating them, and right. three, uh, learn how to do self-correction, meaning when they uh, mess up on something, realize that they made the mistake and then correct it, or figure out that, man, I, I'm not sure about this. I need to ask the question. Yeah. Because if I have to continually do it for them, then they're not going to make it to their black belt. Right. So I, I have a tendency and, I, and this is just something that I do. Um, I guess naturally, I don't know, maybe it's a, a time filler for me. I don't know, but yeah. I, I teach, I teach while I teach. Right. So when I'm teaching, I'm also teaching the parents why I'm doing what I'm doing. My yeah. helpers, my storm team, I'm teaching them what yeah. I'm doing while I'm doing and the student as right. well, because right. some of them are my future, uh, not only black belts, but my future uh, instructors and or storm team members first and then instructors. So why wouldn't I teach them while I'm, yeah. while I'm teaching? Well, isn't that interesting? I love that concept. And, and I think Apollo Ladra, um, a good friend of mine, he had said, uh, teach to learn, learn to teach or learn to teach, teach to learn. And that's his motto. He even has it on a t-shirt. So I love what you're saying because I often do that as well, where I'm like running a class and my leadership team are like off doing their own thing and maybe helping, but they're not watching me teach how to teach, you know, and like they could be learning so much more. Sometimes they think, okay, this isn't my class as leadership team. This is the student's class and I'm a helper, but they don't take note of all the things that they should be learning, how the instructor's teaching, the mannerisms, the, the mm -hmm. way they do things, you know, the, the system to it. Um, and they could be learning so much more. It's like watching a, a performing musician on mm -hmm. stage who's an expert, and you go like, I could do that. I could learn from him here. I could hold my guitar this way. I could sing that way. You know what I mean? Or it's, it's so, there's so much out there if your mindset is open to it. Well, I take them, I take them in afterwards after the class and I just pull them in real quick. And I, and I just say, what's one thing that you picked up today? Right. And I'm talking to my storm team people. And, and then, um, then I'll, then I'll tell them, you know, one thing that I really was hoping they were going to get out of what I was doing. Right. And then that's it. You know, I, yeah. I, I they focus on that one thing that they're thinking about and one thing that I'm thinking about. Now there's two things that they walk away with. Right. And um, they're going to catch some of the other stuff as time goes on, the more often they're on the yeah. floor with me. Yeah. One of our readers, or I say readers, our, our viewers wrote, um, I'm active military. This is Brad again. He wrote, I'm an active military. And it's the same way for the new guys coming out of basic training or basic. Even college football coaches said that they had to change their style of coaching because of how kids are reacting to certain things today. So it's like a new era, almost like we have to be better. Like I, I know when I teach, I say things and do things three times. I say it three different ways, perform it three different angles. Like I have to do it multiple times. And then I still get people who are clueless. Like, and I'm like, were you even watching at all? Like I have those kids that like, no joke, they're literally staring off into space that, and they don't, it's like my mom, she's 86 and she's got a little bit of age related uh, memory things and, and we'll watch a TV show. But how'd you like the show? I wasn't watching. At least she literally is staring at the screen and, and um, you know, in my thoughts, her eyes are on the TV, but her brain has shut down. And I think that we have a little bit of that going on with our students where, Maybe they haven't learned how to learn or they don't know the system to watching and learning, or they're just out in space 
at the time. Like their brain is not engaged or turned on. It's, it's a very, I didn't deal with that 15 years ago. It wasn't that bad. And right. 30, 30 years ago or 25 years ago, it's progressively gotten worse and worse. It's made our jobs as martial art teachers or any teacher, school teachers too, way more difficult. Well, I can't imagine what an educator goes through. Oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, we're living in a, a, a three-picture, two-word society. Yeah, it's insanity. Give me the three pictures and the two words, and, and that's all I need. Wow. Yeah, hopefully, right? <laughs> or, like, even my, my mom, using her as an example, too, she'll watch something, and because of her hearing and her attention span, she'll literally see a different television show than we just watch together. Like, so I can imagine, like, kids, like, you're explaining it, you're showing it, and they're seeing it totally different or teenagers. They're just not getting it. Um, it's a little bit harder. So here, here's a funny story. I, um, I was teaching my storm team I had a storm team meeting. And so all the storm team members were there. Um, and again, for me, just for the listeners, our storm team are basically our junior instructors, people that want to become instructors at some point. Right. right. And so um, they're doing their clinical time because they got to come in and help out with classes and all mm -hmm. those things. Uh, I was asking them, you know, my question was, what was, what's the, you know, what's the, uh, one of the, 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 the biggest things that you've learned from me? And this girl was a second degree black belt at the time. Uh, and she said to me, she goes, I, and this cracked me up. She goes, I, I've learned how to handle bullies because of you. And I go, what? Right. She goes, I've learned how to handle bullies because of you and I could can you explain and she goes yes because when you would yell at us and uh be hard on us and you know the, all those type of things she goes yeah. now I know how to handle bullies and I go okay so I was yelling and being hard she's like yeah but it was in a good way and I'm thinking because right, right. I'm thinking my gosh the, the, some of the parents are standing there listening yeah. to that you know, I'm, I'm I'm the bully you know and she's like yeah. no, no 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 but it was just funny that she was like I know how to handle bullies because you were a bully to me <laughs> basically. That's wild though. You know what? I often think it's interesting. I, I've been doing this for 31 years, you know, with this school has been open for 31 years. And I often look back and I wonder, I'm like, you know, how many people are still in my life? They stay in touch. You know, sometimes people pop up on Facebook and go, Oh, but that was the best time of my life or your teachings helped me here and there. And I got a lot less of that than I would of, you know, people actually never reaching out. But I often wonder though, I go, you know, I'm a hard nose. Uh, I don't take crap. I, I teach sternly and, and discipline. And I wonder if that really is good for, you know, I know it is in my mindset, but I wonder if people see that as a good thing or a bad thing, because I often wonder, like I might, I probably promoted, um, 150 black belts, you know, in my 31 years. And I, I only have like maybe like 25 active training black belts. And a lot of them have moved on, went away to college. Like one of my students, he was an instructor and, and then he went away to college and I thought he would be different. And I thought he was going to stay in touch, you know, Hey, Shan, I haven't seen you. Miss you. I hope we had a good Thanksgiving. And, um, he actually was at, at the dojo, I was out during Thanksgiving and he came in and trained, but I haven't heard from him since he went to college. Like, and I thought he'd be a little different. So you just wonder like, do you have that impact? Is it that they're just not, you know, they're in a different space in their head now and out of sight, out of mind. I always wonder about that. I think we affect people more than we know. Right. I, I really do. So like last night there was a, a girl that she left me when she was a first degree black belt. She's now a sophomore in high school. She came in with one of my other secondary black belts. They used to be friends. There, there was a whole drama triangle that they, they, they were fighting. And then this one girl got into some uh, bad stuff and yada, yada, yada. Anyways, she shows up. I'm like, you know, looking at her cause I'm teaching on the floor and I knew I was going to be off the floor in a little bit. And then I waved at her and then I walked right over and gave her a hug and sat and talked with her a little bit. And I actually asked her, I go, I go, um, you know, when you were here, uh, do you think I was uh, uh, too hard on you? Right. And she said, no. She goes, you were hard. She said, but it was hard in a good way. Yeah. And she goes, you actually cared about me. Yeah. And and that meant a lot because I know that she's been through some crap. And yeah. to hear her say that, you know, meant a lot. 
Yeah, I would hope that that would be the the bulk of my students that haven't trained or been in touch for years. And I do find that, you know, hey, like that one kid, you know, worst decision ever made to quit, um, you know, before I got my black belt. I've been regretting it for 20 years. And I've heard that so many times, you know, and I wish that people would realize that. But when you're talking to them at that moment when they want to quit, they can only hear that one thing. They only can yeah. feel that one thing. And it might take years, if ever, that they realize that it was a mistake that they made. Um, so it's tough on instructors, I, I think, on us. We're constantly wanting more for our students than they sometimes want for themselves. And that's what's missing in this day and age. Because like, I remember when I was a student, my teacher was always saying, wow, you worked so hard. You learned that on your own. You went out and you did that. And, you know, I was always doing more than he would ever have expected. Nowadays, though, people are doing barely what's the minimum of what's expected of them to get by. And not everyone, but I would think that it's shifted from 60% of the people working super hard to maybe like 20% now. You know, that 80-20 rule where 20% of your people are outstanding, the other 80% just kind of going through their paces of doing it. So I wish I there was something that I could do or shift. And I wonder about those schools that have a higher rate of those people that are doing better, working harder than the norm. Because I see it in, I mean, I have so many friends in the martial arts there. We all suffer from that, I think. Yeah, again, I think it goes back to SIF sorting and screening, and there's just going to be part of the population that will never get to black belt, um, that are never going to be motivated like we would like them to be motivated. And, and I don't I think about this, though. Even in your, in your own life, there are things that we need to change, right, uh, in our own life yeah. that sometimes we're not motivated to do. Yes. So there, theirs just happens to be – their martial arts training, they're just doing the motions or being mediocre is okay with them. And, right. uh, you know, unfortunately that's just the way that it goes. Um, I know that you went out to breakfast this morning and yeah. were there any, any funny stories that, that well, were shared with you? Well, yeah, there's so many like, but one of them, my friend, he, he's the funny story, like not him, but he's hysterical. Like he, he's the type of guy who's like at the stage in his life that he's been doing it so long that he doesn't give her crap about what people think so like you know similar to what you had said where you know did you wipe your butt you know did your mom wipe your butt for you you know that kind of thing so where he'll like take a kid off to the side and be like you little frigger you better start acting good or i'm gonna lock you in the closet like he'll say things like that to the kid and you better not you know even and then the kids like straighten right up you know he, he's uh that type of guy and even with parents like he had a parent that said uh the kid wants to doesn't want to train as much anymore. And it's not as motivated because they're doing T-ball. He's like, uh, it's the middle of winter. You don't do T-ball. Well, my husband takes him to so-and-so town to, to practice batting in a batting cage. He goes, but you can't, you could travel 25 minutes to the batting cage, but you can't make it two days a week, four minutes away from your house. Like, you know, he's straight out with the parents. And then he, and then he had another parent that didn't want to bring their kid. And then he said, okay, don't bring him anymore. You don't have to pay. And then they charged payments back. Uh, so he called them up and said, you know, it cost me a hundred and two or whatever he charges, one ninety nine a month, four hundred dollars to see what kind of low life you are about how you could just charge money back dishonestly. Like he's straightforward, like he just says it all. And we laugh about it because almost like you cringe when he's talking about you would be afraid to do that in your school. But in your head, you're thinking it at times. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, and you say to yourself, like, what happened to integrity? You know, what happened to honor? Like, you know, it's the weirdest thing. Like, I find it's rampant nowadays where people will just cancel their credit card and disappear and ghost you. And uh, they have no, like, years ago, people would at least have a little bit of honor and integrity. I signed an agreement. I'll live it out. Or I, you know, at least let's work a deal. But nowadays, yeah, it's like just disappear on you and don't even bother to to communicate. And just, what are they going to do? That crazy. Yeah. Well, I've had chargebacks before, too. That was, that, 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 that sucks. Yeah, I had a parent that charged back eight. Now, get me, get this. They trained for 12 months, two kids, trained, left because they just didn't want to continue. But it was a great leaving, you know, happy goodbyes. And, you know, we'll get back to you if we want to come back, that kind of thing. And then they sequentially, month by month, charged back six or seven months times two kids of payments back on tuition 
that they used, not, right. not like a contract that they signed that they didn't come in and use. They came for 12 months and charged back six or seven months of their payments back. And I fought it, showed the t attendance records. I showed the contract, I, everything. The credit card companies like, sorry, we're giving their money back. Like I couldn't do anything about it. Amazing, and right? That, that's scary that, that they can actually do that and get away with it. Yeah, Sensei Bodansky, who we, uh, Bogdansky said, uh, he's a good friend of mine and he's been on a few of our calls or that I've done on podcasts. He wrote, my funny ninja story is the toughest man alive, Felix Vasquez. We took him horseback riding on a local farm and he was terrified. Uh, I remember him telling me about that. Like, you know, you get the, the people that you think are the scariest in the world and they'll kill you with one finger and then you take them out of their element and all of a sudden they're like little babies, right? So that's that's a, a thing I've seen many times before. I even watched it. I used to be amazed at a guy who would do self-defense division in a tournament. And he was so graceful and amazing technician. And one time him and another guy got in an argument and they were fighting. And it was like cats, like slapping at each other. It was the worst, not even like fighting like technique wise. It was like they lost all their martial art training. And it was the sloppiest thing I ever saw. I said, oh my God. Practicing and doing is two different things, right? Like knowing how to fight and being able to perform the kata, totally different movements, right? It's wild. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to pressure test everything because if you don't pressure test it, then it's it's not going to be useful out in the Absolutely. real world. And by the way, isn't that part going back to testing period? Like if they can't pass a test, they fail versus let them pass the test to boost their ego well, what if they boost their ego and they think they could use it in the street when they get attacked? And now they find out that none of what they did was real enough because they never performed it under pressure. So well, I, I, yeah, I always say, you know, hey, look, you know, uh, if, if, if you if you don't do it here. And then you go out on the street and you have to use it and you get beat up, you're going to come back to me and you're going to say, Mr. Brummett, this crap doesn't work. Right. And my response to you is going to be, well, that's because you didn't make it work. Right. When you had that opportunity to make it work. It does work. Well, yeah, you're right. And then that that again goes back to me thinking like my students from 25 years ago, they wanted to get the crap kicked out of them so that they knew that what they learned could work and they would willing to feel the pain. Like that one student I mentioned before that hurt his hand that was out for six months. And I said, come back in and train, uh, use one hand. No, no, no. I don't want to take a chance if I fall. Like, geez, just toughen up a little. Like, you know, like like the story about, I said before, we're running and falling down on the ground and scraping your knee and your parents saying, just get some dirt on that and run back and play. Nowadays, you know, let's go home. We'll take a rest. Let's elevate. We'll get some ice. We'll call the doctor, put on your favorite. Like, it's just a different world. It really is. Well, amazing. we did sparring last night in our intermediate class and uh, last 15 minutes of class. And one of the little kids, he's probably eight. He got popped in the nose. You know, he was crying. I looked, yeah. you know, my instructor uh, that was running that ring looked at him, was talking to him. I looked at him. I said, hey, so let me see your nose. Is it bleeding? He right. his nose up. I go, no, nope, no blood. I said, you good? Yes, sir. I said, go. Right. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. Like one of my students, Greg, he's, he's been with me for like 25 years and he helps teach. He had a lot of great comments. He said that, you know, he's learned so much from teaching um, that he never knew about students and his own personality that he keeps continually learning from teaching. But the last one, he says, Oh yes, we sometimes crawled out of the dojo. We could barely walk. Um, and, you know, I think that that was, you know, there was a certain value to that because I guess like, you know, it's interesting. I, I read a, one of Tony Robbins books and he said that the military used to put you on a firing range and they'd have you shoot a live gun at the target. And there's a lot of fear when shooting a gun, if you've never shot it before, recoil, you know, the flashback, the loud sound, anticipation on trigger pull and all of these things. So Tony Robbins went in and they wanted him to increase shooting in a shorter amount of time, get better shooters in a less amount of time. So he started them off with no ammunition, no magazine, and they'd go up to the target five foot away and they would just pull the trigger and feel that and then move back a little. And then they'd shoot closer and then they'd move back a little, shoot without a bullet and then shoot 
with the bullet closer. And then they slowly get further and further away. So they would build better habits rather than right away, starting off with that loud noise, that loud sound, the recoil, the flash and all that, and creating these negative habits and fears. So I think that sometimes we may do that a little in our dojos, but I think that people come in with those pre-diagnosed, you know, yeah. fears, like those worries, the, I'm going to get hurt. I, I'm going to get yelled at. Like they, that they think that that's part of what the training is, you know, kind of like the bad karate kid, you know, not Daniel son, Johnny Lawrence's character. Right. But I, yeah. I lean more towards him than I do Ralph Macchio's character. Oh, well, just the toughness. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, well, yeah. I think this was a, this was a nice, Nice reminisce, reminiscing call, you know, of yeah, things yeah. That, that have happened in our school. And um, I know we, we've got just a few minutes left. I didn't know if there was any other funny stories that 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 you wanted to share real quick. Well, I think one, not a funny story, but one of the, the guy, Brad, who'd been sending in some comments throughout this entire show, he said that his BJJ instructor tore his bicep a few years ago. He had surgery and he trained with one arm tucked in his belt while training. So like there is a certain amount of people who have that right, correct mindset while others, I don't want to say they don't have the correct mindset. They just don't have that understanding of what they could do and fear, um, which I call false expectations appearing real. But um, I just heard Grant Cardone saying false events appearing real, like what you think might happen, right? You know, not necessarily your expectation, but I guess it is the same. But um, so we have to be careful that we don't let our mind beat us up. And, and you know, even as instructors, you know, I don't want to let my kids roll because they might get hurt or I don't want to let them take full throws because they might get hurt. So now we don't teach the full throws and now they don't learn how to fall. They don't know how to fall. Yeah. So we have to, be, we have to try to, I don't know, find a, a happy uh, middle ground. Or yeah, not. eventually. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that goes back to one of our podcasts where we talked about that we really are one of the last lines of defense um, for yeah. people nowadays. Yeah. And, and not just physical martial arts defense, but actually yeah. how to function in society and have some grit. Right. Grit is a great word. I just hear that more and more. And I think that's a big missing component in the world today. I, I would agree. Yeah. I, I definitely would agree. You know, everything's got to be handed to you and um, expected. And well, I mean, you look at the state of the, the, the union right now and yeah. you know, you, you go and you look out and there's help wanted signs everywhere. I mean, I go to my grocery store and their shelves are bare all the time. Right. And it's not because they don't, they're not, accessing the product they have the product they just don't have the, enough people to put the product out i know I, and but then again yeah you're right and i was visited my friend about a year ago and we would go out and i've never in my life we were in virginia west virginia where i'd pull up to like a restaurant and it would say closed because we don't have staff to stay open and i remember in that one particular parking lot there were like four restaurants that had help wanted sign and there was a family of five sitting out on the curb with a sign saying we're homeless and we have no money come help us and literally right by if i took a photo behind them help wanted help wanted help wanted help wanted all five of them could have went to work in five different restaurants and made money but they're sitting out on the curb begging so you it's the mindset and i know sometimes it's mental illness but this is a family of five. So they're all not, you know, in that situation. So right, go right. out and do it. I mean, you got to push, push, push. I, I mean, look, I've been doing this for 31 years, running my own business. And if I don't do it, no one's doing it for me. Nope. You know, I got to push myself to continue to excel and work hard or else I would have been out of business years ago. Well, and, you know, the anomaly that we talked about in the beginning of the call, Mr. Bean, you know, he's sick again today. Right. But you know, he said he could come in and tough it out. Right. He's got grit. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Stay, stay home. Exactly. Get, get, you know, become 90% yep. at least. <laughs> yeah. My guy, Ryan will do the same thing. I don't really feel well, but I'll, I'll call you at around three. If I'm feeling better, I'm in. 
and he'll nap and sleep and feel better, teach, come home and rest. Like that's the type of people who have that grit. And but it's less and less in this day and age. But anyway, it was a fun call. I, I mean, I enjoyed talking about the what do we have? Booger pickers, poop flyers, um, mirror lickers, mat lickers. Like there's a lot of different people, parents that are just disloyal or dishonest and chargebacks. There's a lot that we covered that uh, a lot of us experience. Yeah, and, and gosh, if we had guests on, there'd be so much more, right? All oh, right, exactly. All right, Jermaine, well, it's great seeing you because I miss hanging out with you for the last few weeks because we haven't been able to do a call. Um, but uh, we'll see you next week, right? Uh, yes, sir. All right, awesome. All right, everybody, thank you. You want to do the call? Right, have a good day, sir. All right, talk to you soon. Right, bye. bye, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Martial Arts School Owner Talk podcast. This would not be possible if it weren't for the support of our amazing sponsors. Please check out Elite Insights for all your website needs. LeadHunterMedia.com, your online digital marketer and content provider. Academy Kings BJJ Growth Consulting and Management Group at GrowMyAcademy.com. SparkMembership.com, hands down the best martial arts software for school owner management on the planet. Get KarateStudents.com, a martial arts growth consulting company for all your systems. AdHealthCoaching.com, helping school owners create a whole nother revenue stream for their school. We will see you next time.